G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast, the round six review edition and what a footy marathon we've had these past couple of weeks, 11 days, 10 days of which there were football played. Uh, I'm tired, as I say, a very good evening to my co-host Mark Fine. It's been, what was it, 10 days out of 11, something like that? It was an orgy, minus the grapes and wine and women. And all the good things. But yeah. <laughs> there was football, which was good as well. And it's funny because I said to my wife, it's over. The marathon is over. You've got me back. And she goes, can they find a couple more games? <laughs> yes. I, th- I think she quite enjoyed it. And you know what? The fact that I have not really connected with my family much in the last few days has meant that I've eaten some Andrew's hamburgers. And quite frankly, the wife... Doesn't measure up. You've been, uh, <laughs> you've been living <laughs> cooking on wise. Cooking yeah, I tell you what, Finey, There was a piece in the Herald Sun yesterday. One of the three pieces they run each week about where to get the best hamburgers in town. <laughs> yes, and there's you know ten stacks and triple stacks and hamburger stacks dripping with cheese sauce and ridiculous stuff. And all it made me think was, I just want a good old fashioned meaty Andrews hamburger. And I've gone the other way because I went to a famous Scottish chain of hamburgers, well known to most. Yes. <laughs> and uh, let's just say, as I get older, if I lose teeth, that's going to be my food of choice. Okay. I didn't find a bit lot. soggy? Uh, a bit, you know, a bit same. A bit, mm, a bit um, dare I say it, not Andrews like. 144 Bridport Street in Albert Park. They open quite early. If you want a burger for breakfast, get there about 10.30. And uh, Greg and the folks down there will look after you. And don't forget, Passiona is a special. And I want to thank Nick Spartels. Now, I went to a famous street in Albert Park. I don't want to name the street because a certain current AFL captain is about to move into new digs there. Beautiful place. They all, they're these sort of houses from the front. They look pretty plain, but then you go inside. And then Nick said, come down the road, we'll see whether a mate of mine's home. We did his house as well, and I spent a good 10 or 15 minutes talking with Mr. Mark Sheehan. Ah. He yeah. said, and he asked how footyology is going, and he asked how Rowan Connolly was going. And what did you say? Well, and well. Oh, did you? Yeah. I thought you were going to give him your usual spiel about how angst-ridden I am. No, and... no, 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 no. It's, um, I'm glad that he brought it up, not me, but, <laughs> but I get on really well with Mike. Oh, no, so do I. And we spoke about football. He's an expectant grandfather. Oh, he's already a grandfather. Yeah, but so who's having a I child think, this time? Is it Eamon? Eamon, yeah, yep. one of his boys. Yeah, I believe so. Um, Congratulations, Michael. And of course, you know, he, Kate, 35 years old when she made her debut and then she did her knee. Mm. Kate Sheen, very good footballer. But see, I love talking to Mike because he goes, come on, say it funny. You know what I want to hear? Because I'm one of the few people who recalls and quite values his football career. I used to love the VFA. I love the lightning premierships they used yes. to have in the finals. Yes. Long before I ever knew Mike Sheehan 
as a journalist or as a person, I used to be fascinated by two players from the Lightning Premiership, a guy called Jeff Bryant. Box Hill? Ended up at Box Hill. I didn't know he'd already played. I think he played for Footscray previously. And Mike Sheehan. And I thought both of them could easily make the dilapidated St Kilda team of the uh, late 70s. Could have been. The ultimate could have been. He said, oh, fine. I was slow. (laughs) (laughs) He said skillful, very skillful. He's not slow of intellect. We no, know that, he's uh, and he's very well. He's in good health. That's good. Uh, no, I saw a tweet from him recently. Do you think we should stop talking dribble and get into it? No, you know what? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, massive round over five days, going right back to Wednesday. Let's go through it game by game. On Footyology, wrap around. Okay, game one, Anzac Day Eve, MCG, the now traditional Richmond-Melbourne clash. Uh, powerful stuff from the Tigers and pretty, I'm, I'm dwelling on this, insipid in the finish, let's be honest, by Melbourne. 12 goals, 13, 85 the Tigers, 43-point victors over the Demons. A paltry six goals, six 42, some bad news out of it for the Tigers. Uh, Jack Rewalt, uh, not having a good run of it, Jack. He was going to miss, looks like, a couple of months now with a knee injury. But uh, Tigers have shown pretty methodically over the last couple of weeks that they can cope even without their star players. As for Melbourne, well, uh, they're just about done and dusted for 2019. I went to this game, and if you could attribute an emoji to a game of football, it's that strange little sort of turd with a face on it. Yeah. Because this game was... Mr. Hankey. Yeah, this game (laughs) laid a Mr. Hankey. Not Richmond's fault. Richmond worked out very early in probably the second quarter. Look, Melbourne came out brightly and kicked four goals in the first quarter. Thereafter, I reckon they might have got a goal very late. It felt like they didn't kick a goal. They got one in the third quarter at the early part of the third quarter. They were so impotent going forward, Rowan. There was no penetration and no... They didn't go down the middle. They didn't roll the dice down the middle. They didn't go quick down the wings and they didn't kick the ball particularly particularly long. So if you're just slowly lobbing it into some spot 60 metres out from goal, you can't score. I had a good uh, chat to Paul Roos about this game. We did a panel together pre-Anzac Day for 3AW, and um, it looked to me early on like a, a classic case of overcorrection by the Demons. They've been so worried about not uh, focusing on the hard stuff. They went hunting that contested possession, and they were going okay for contested possession. Uh, particularly early on, but they left no one on the outside of those stoppages, and that's where Richmond killed them. Fox Footy showed some good footage of this too. There was one goal in particular where Brandon Ellis, I think three stoppages in a row, just maintained his width on the inside of a stoppage and ended up running a straight line between the centre and the goal, ran in for a, an easy goal. And this was happening all night, three, four Melbourne mids getting drawn into, sucked into that stoppage, as, as we like to say. And the Richmond players far more strategically placed around the stoppage, doing far more damage with the ball when they won it. Um, they're, they're back. They're back in a big way, the Tigers. I thought all that pressure was back. And some big pluses for them too. Um, you know, we've seen the likes of Ross. He's been really impressive since he came into the side. And I reckon the last couple of weeks, uh, Liam Baker's been particularly impressive for them as well. Oh, you know, the high-numbered mullet, normally 
if you're 48 and you're mullet, mm. you're mulleted. Yeah. In the olden days, that meant you you were sort of a local suburban player or the very much lesser brother of a senior listed player. Who Except could... for the late 80s when everyone had them. Yeah, but that, that high-numbered mullets. Mm. Shane Warne was a high-numbered mullet at St Kilda. Yeah, yeah, he would have been, yeah. The little-known Greg Cunningham, the younger brother yes. of Daryl and Jeff, yes. was a, a high-numbered mullet. So an unlikely type. I thought he was the it's certainly the consistently most dangerous of the um, Mosquito Brigade. I think it's time to put a bit of a spotlight on Goodwin. Yeah. Uh, so, why? Well, you know, he's got players at his behest that he needs to fit roles for and get into the game of football. Petrarca and Melcham are potentially power footballers. And it was like for parts of the game they'd fallen down a well. Mm. You know, it, these are guys that can turn the switch on. But if they're playing deep flank pocket, it's not going to happen. I feel that Melbourne almost exhausted their attempts to win the game when Viney ran out of puff after an explosive beginning. They seem to have a surprising lack of flexibility now too, I reckon. I mean, I, I thought Hibbard onto Martin at the start of the game was an interesting one. I thought Hibbard did all right. And, you know, Martin... He doesn't look a bit slow to you now? No, he, well, he doesn't strike me as a, a typical run-with player. So, uh, I mean, that's what I'm getting at. But, yeah. the, I mean, one of the big problems for them all season has been the lack of connection between the midfield and the forward setup. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, they expected to miss Jesse Hogan to the degree they have. But... They're 1-5, um, and, and look, I will talk about them a little bit later on, so let's not dwell on it, but uh, do you reckon they're gone? Completely gone. They've got no, they've got no forwards. Yeah. I tell you, I, sat, I went to the game, and Melbourne supporters, they're no different to any other supporters. I don't like saying their supporters are like this or that, but their supporters, almost from the first siren, have grown... Their patience is running very thin with Wiedemann. They just don't rely. Mm. They, you know, when he goes for the ball, there's groans and oohs and ahs, and sort of almost hoots as he drops another. He gets in great position, but he doesn't seem to have great hands. Mm. So, no. so they've got no key forwards left. No, I reckon they're done and dusted. Yep. Oh yes, they are. All right, let's move on. The next game. Okay, well, they come no bigger on the home and away calendar, and this one, unlike some of its predecessors, certainly lived up to its billing. Anzac Day, of course, 92,241. Spectacular turnout for an epic game won by Collingwood by just four points. 10 goals, 13, 73, defeating Essendon, 10, 9, 69. I'll give you a brief encapsulation of my thoughts, Fonny, and then you can fire away. Um, Essendon lost this in the first quarter. They certainly let Collingwood uh, off the chain and look like they may cop an absolute belting. It was uh, what was the margin at quarter time, 23 points. Got out to 33 at one stage. Um, but credit to the Bombers after that. I thought they reeled them in. Um, they managed to get their outside run going. Uh, they managed to really worry Collingwood with their pace, uh, mowed them down, caught them in possession a number of times, um, some free kicks of which were paid and some weren't, controversially, but we're not going to focus on the umpiring. We're going to focus on the result. Um, and all up, I, I thought oh, Collingwood would be pretty happy to, to win a game like that, but I think Essendon 
aside from not getting the points, will be very happy with that. I thought they showed a, a resilient and tough streak that we haven't really um, associated with them for a number of years. Four goals to Danaher, terrific, I thought, um, in his second game back and second game within, what, a week. Uh, Bagley came into it in that second half as a small forward. Shield Merritt, um, terrific midfield. Yes, some issues about Shield's use of the ball, but he was getting it and he was gaining lots of territory with it. I thought Merritt was terrific. He really set the tone. Um, thought Hurley was pretty good in defence, and I thought uh, Adam Saad gave him tremendous drive off half-back. Stringer, too, who arguably has been Essendon's most consistent player this year. So shot themselves in the foot with that start, but apart from that, I think they will come away from this game very pleased. And taking nothing away from the Pies, they were below their best for most of this game, but still managed to grind out a win, and uh, I think sort of underlines that... Um, they can win in all situations, a free-flowing, open, high-scoring game, and a game that's a bit of a grind. Um, two goals to Cox, two to Goey. Uh, Pendlebury, magnificent, consummate on-ball performance from him. Brody Grundy, dominant in the ruck. Uh, good defenders in Crisp and Howe. Um, just a, another very efficient, I suppose, in the end, victory for the Pies. I don't think Dylan Shield was in the best 10 players on the ground, uh, for starters. I reckon he was. I don't. Um, you know, look, midfielders get the ball. He's very fit, and he's very capable of receiving the ball or, or getting the ball. His kicking was not only poor, but his choices of kicks. In that, Look, in that third quarter, he, he went for a couple of goals, and he ignored players... Just play the percentage kick, Dylan. If you're going to call for the ball and get the ball, then use the ball. I thought I thought Saad was a much better player, and I thought Danaher was close to best on ground. He was superb, Danaher. That goal that he kicked around his body in the last quarter when no one could get a goal, I thought was fitting, befitting of a match-turning winning goal. So what's your main takeaway from this game? Does it, do you come out of this game thinking more G.S. better than I thought or good? Yes, or, yes yeah. absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Collingwood were up for it. Their midfield was on song. My three votes definitely went to uh, Howe. I thought he was superb. You know, What, ahead of Pendlebury? Oh, absolutely. I thought Howe was... Had and 38 Pendles. Yeah, I understand, but midfield. Honestly, if Pendles gets less than thirty, a thirty's par. It's not. It's not the number. Look, Pendles was very good. I've no problem with him winning the award for best on ground. But I just felt that how, not just marking the ball, his coverage, third man up. He did a punch in the last quarter that saved the game for them. I mean, mm. and that to me says how well Essendon played. That I thought their best player was a deep defender, Collingwood. Now, I. That's how Collingwood work. Look, Mahochek started well. Mahochek started well and then faded out. Cox hurt his ankle or whatever in the last quarter, but he was covered. I thought Hooker played a very good game. He did. In fact, I, I have him right up there as one of Essendon's best. So this is, to me, the best team in the comp, Collingwood, as West Coast have come off the boil a bit and Richmond have injuries. And I can tell you that there is not a cigarette paper's difference between those two teams based on Anzac Day. Essendon were great. And I want to mention Guelphie as well. Yeah, it was good. Strange hair choice. Well, I it mean, could have been the peroxide. That weird did. hair choice. It was a bit Billy Idolish, really, wasn't it? It was. When you're blonde, who goes blonder? I mean... Well, well, you know what I reckon? I reckon he heard us 
going on and on about him being uh, in a boy band. Yeah, well, so actually, now, that might be the Essendon podcast I do. So, <laughs> so he's going from being in a boy band to being Billy Idol, like you yeah. know, the curled lip, yeah. the, the anger. Because yeah, well, he had a bit of anger about uh, it. 80s retros back in, in town. He's a bit fiery. He got into Pendlebury. It was a nice day for a white wedding, Fanny. It was also a nice day for the white and black, but Essendon lose nothing, absolutely nothing from that performance. In fact, I rate them much higher having seen them. Uh, I'm pessimistic about my own side. I want to see them keep doing that, but uh, yeah, very encouraged. If you had a good ruckman, you could be anything. Me personally? Essendon. He gets led around by the nose bell chambers. Yeah, he does a bit. Uh, that's a discussion for another day. Anyway, it was an epic game, one worthy of the occasion, and uh, let's move on. On we go. Uh, Friday night, I guess, if we're being harsh, we could call this the letdown after the Anzac Day Eve and Anzac Day clashes, but um, a win, I'm not going to say a good win, because in the end, I'm not sure it was. Port Adelaide, 12 16 88 16-point victors over North Melbourne, 11-6-72. Port had this absolutely in control for 85 90% of the match and let the ruse in for some cheapies late. I don't think North should be getting overly excited about that. Um, by the same token, I think Port might end up a little bit disappointed that they didn't turn it into the emphatic win it probably should have been. If you want to know what this game was and you didn't see it, then just queue up the final siren and you'll see the rare sight of 36 disappointed players on the field. Yes. They were sort of talking to each other. You know, oh, Pollock was talking to some ex-teammates. Yeah. And they were both, like, shaking their heads. No, no good, no good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wasn't a great game. All right, there were some sort of... Uh, there was two main features for Port Adelaide why they could leave this game with some real positives. Can I guess? Yep. Uh, well, Connor Rosie's got to be one. Absolutely. He's Connor a gun. Rosie. What about the um, great hanger he took too? But what about that pickup yeah, off that's his the toes? One. No, that's the one. Yeah. I mean, the hanger was great. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But then, and that that was in the same period of play, wasn't it? It wasn't. Uh, it was just slightly before he took yeah, the I'm hanger. Saying, I'm saying. So it's it's a real testimony because that one head over the ball. He's still quite thin. You know that required skill and courage. And I'll tell you who and was... And set up... Do you set up butters for the goal yeah, yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the one around his body. And what about um, what about Wee Willem? Willem Drew. Well, it's funny that you... Willem who? Willem Drew. I actually I don't think he had that significant impact, no, but we just have to do that every week Well, you week picked now. the wrong one, because the other real bright <laughs> point is... Well, first of all, I thought Pollock, on talking about booze and letting it get to you, he had a poor game. At least Pittard used the booze. mm I mean, maybe they were just booing Pittard's hairdresser. I don't know. Or the jumper. Jeez, that jumper with the long sleeves. Oh, the worst good. jumper of the week goes to Callum Brown of Collingwood. If he thinks that it is acceptable to wear something that bears your midriff, I mean, <laughs> okay. when he had that final shot of goal to seal the game for Collingwood, I was not watching where the ball went. Okay, we're talking about Port Adelaide I was looking North. for his tramp stamp. Okay, come on. <laughs> come on. Um, they've, got a, they've got a player on the wing who bested Pollock is, gee, he played well. Dersma. Oh, can yeah, he play? Yeah, yeah. Zavia Dersma. Yeah, and apparently he's got a girlfriend. Did you see roaming BT afterwards? Oh, yeah, no, I didn't. No, but no, well, let's, not, let's not keep, uh, that's from, my fault. Apart from his father. Yeah. No, it's, it's his uncle. The Jamie. Jamie, yeah. Has there ever been another player with two consecutive U's 
in the AFL uh, VFL? Probably not. Unless there's a player vacuum. What about Cameron Zerha? He hasn't got two U's, has he? Two A's. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, they're vowels. Yeah. But A's it, a vowel. But I was going to say, St Kilda had a player vacuum in the 80s. That was a dub. You do this on purpose, don't you? Yeah, it's yeah. just the whole no, show I, consists of you going off on tangents and me attempting to, to steer you unsuccessfully back well, to the topic. Well, it seems to be working. We're top ten again. Um, so I think Desmond's a ripper. Yeah, no, he is. And and actually, when you think about all that young talent, they've got more young talent showing something now than any other club in the comp at the moment, haven't they? Well, they went with it at the start of the year. Four debutants. Willem Drew. No, Willem Drew. Now you're doing it. No, well, we have to. Um, he'd been there for a year, I think, but made yeah, his he debut. Had. Yeah, it's a big call bringing in four kids and keeping them in for the first six rounds of the year. And they've all been good. They're all very good. You know, they only rest and manage players that are sort of, you know, in the bottom four yeah. or bottom six. None of them are being managed. I want to mention Ben Cunnington. Yeah, okay, you mentioned him. I'll mention another the, North He put player. the T in Cunnington on Friday night, I'll oh, tell you that. Settle. Oh, mate, did you? He, he was on the angry pills. Yeah, he was, and he might he might have a bit of a rest next week as a result. I want to um, bring up uh, Nick Larkey, because I thought he was a positive for the Roos. I saw Nick Larkey last year top the VFA goal kick. The, won him the Frosty days. Miller medal. With a, not on his was behalf, a, a small sub-30 total. Yeah. He was very skinny last year. He's well, he play, yeah, he played in two seventeen and looked a million miles off. But I, I, I thought he was quite good for him. Remember how what Jack Dye used to uh, say to ex- describe players of Larky's build in two thousand and eighteen? Uh, uh, no, Lou Richard. Sorry, it was Lou's favourite. Something about couldn't get wet in a thermometer or something. Had to walk around the shower to get wet. Yeah, right. You know what Larky's nickname is, don't you? Suv. Suvlaki. Yeah. Andrews Hamburgers also serve Suvlakis, I they believe. Do. Named uh, after Nick. I thought it was, isn't there a Dr. Larky, an anthropologist? Uh, I don't know. I think this is or an leaky. indication, though, leaky. that we've probably talked enough about this game. It's leaky, not Larky. Okay, so Winterport won't be getting too excited about it, but it's another tick on the W column. Uh, let's move on to Saturday. The Q Clash, Viney, the first game on the Saturday menu and an emphatic win to Brisbane, 16-15, 111. Uh, that is a margin of 49 points over a disappointing Gold Coast, nine goals, eight, 62. Uh, good spread of goal kickers for the Lions, nine of them in total. Uh, great game from Mitch Robinson. Um, he won the uh, the medal and... Uh, uh, funny aside, seeing we're doing a lot of asides, uh, I was listening to the 3AW call of this game. Lee Matthews was doing special comments, and Shane McInnes um, set him up with a question about the importance of the Q clash. And I thought, oh, we're going to get we're going to get Lee Matthews just saying what he thinks. And he said, "Do you want my marketing hat on or my AW commentator hat on?" And Shane said both. And he said, marketing, well, you know, it's important to build the code. And he said, and your AW hat? And he said, no one cares, mate. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about the Q clash. There's no great rivalry as far as the two clubs are concerned or any well, of the fans, is, but there, which but was reflected the in the clubs. crowd of 13,000. But between the two clubs, there is a, a rivalry. Didn't that, look like it. Well, it sort of it, it softened. But let's be honest, from the time Stephen May knocked out the barber Stephen Martin. Yeah. There has been some bad blood. That was, to me, very much before GWS and Sydney tangled in a physical manner. Mm. I thought, surprisingly, Gold Coast and 
Brisbane had a dislike for each other. Now, of course, in the last couple of years, that has manifested manifested itself in the Took Miller Dane Zorko brouhaha. I'd forgotten about it. Yeah, that was pretty full on last year, but it didn't happen this year. They okay, went, what about this kind? Well, just on Miller and Zorko, they went to each other early and then they sort of disengaged. And I've got to say that um, Miller was better for the um, for the for the role and contact last year. I think that was an opportunity missed by uh, Stewie Jew. The game scores a level halfway through the third quarter, and it really is a case at that point that Gold Coast had gained the ascendancy. This was a, a tug of war. They were more accurate, but they're just not an indication. Just before the goal that drew it level at halfway through that third quarter, they'd had three shots of goal that went out on the full. Peter Wright, um, surprisingly sexton. They were sort of swarming Brisbane, and then Brisbane went three goals in two minutes. And I tell you what, I don't want to say it because Gold Coast have been good, but exactly the same time last year, we saw the first signs of surrender, and they put up the white flag on Saturday. And I'm telling you, Stuart Jew, you cannot let it fall apart like it did last year. Well, do we think that's a danger? Oh, if you saw the last quarter and yeah. a half, it's not a danger. It happened, Rowan. Yep. No, it happened. Important win for Brisbane just in terms of getting back on the bike, I think, because they've been beaten up pretty badly on the scoreboard and in the numbers the last two weeks. And having watched this game, I've got a new staying in sport. What's that? You know, I thought Ainsworth played well, mm. but from Brisbane's perspective, there's, was all right. there's no I in Ainsworth. I just wanted to make that point. All right, well, I've got another. Did, did you see that? The guy that made his debut, Noah Ainsworth. So Noah Ainsworth. Oh, no, well. Ian Ainsworth. Yeah, yeah, right. Whereas the other Ainsworth played well for. Okay, there's no. Okay, Ian here's Ainsworth. another. Here's another stupid observation. You know, Jack Lacocious. Precocious. Well, all I can think of <laughs> when I see him now or hear someone call his name is that really bad Kim Khan song, Betty Davis Eyes. Remember that? He's got Betty. He's, he's Lacocious. And precocious. <laughs> yeah. And he knows just, just how what... it takes to make a pro. All the boys. All the boys think he's a spy. He's got, got Jack be... Lacocious eyes. He's precocious. All right, I think it's time we moved on. Marvel Stadium, twilight, Saturday afternoon, St Kilda taking on Adelaide. And I'm annoyed, Finey, because this is... I want to go first. Well, okay, just let me say this. This is exactly the sort of game I usually would have tipped Adelaide because I think they're a better team. And I fell into the Saints. I thought, yep, they're the real deal. They're going to show us why. And they didn't. Yeah, I spoke to you just after the game. You did it for 3AW. I did. Clearly, you were sort of... a Tips to scorn. Now, look, Adelaide were good. I thought Adelaide were actually very good. And I'm not upset with how St Kilda performed. You know, it was always going to be hard without Jaron Geary. His organisation in the back line is important. But from a St Kilda perspective, long term, they must be really pleased that they've got this new half-back line of Patton, Battle and Wilkie that, you know, can have for a future. What they ran into was, and it's funny because after a, 20 minutes, I thought Taylor Walker's... I thought his career was over 20 minutes into that game. Mm. As I thought, gee, Bryce Gibbs and Walker late withdrawals. I didn't know he was playing. I found out he was playing soon enough. He, you know, he out of... The bear is out of hibernation. Tex was great. Uh, Lynch worked his way into the game. Betts 
followed up his dangerous three, his brilliant three hundredth with a dangerous three o first, often a, a bit of a trap for players. But it was down back that they got control. If you watch the game of Daniel Talia against North Melbourne two weeks earlier at Marvel Stadium, you will think that this is a different Talia. Yeah, yeah amazing turnaround. Yeah, he was not, great. Not Michael Talia. He was Venitalia two weeks ago, mm. and he's back to the great Daniel Talia. He was good. The cricketer played beautifully. Alex Keith. Yes. And I, I think sort of scungy players are like Smith and Laird. When oh, I say Smith. Sc- hang on. When I say scungy, what I mean is they get a lot of ball given to them. Their whole modus operandi, they, they're fit, they're, they're brilliant uh, movers of the ball. It all depends on how they use it. it doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I thought that was great. Well, that was the, for me, that was the biggest gulf between the two sides was Usage. ball use. Correct. And those guys off the half-back line, yep. St Kilda tried to apply pressure to them. They busted the shackles and they were off to the races. There was one um, passage of play when St Kilda was going to the left-hand end. I can never remember if that's Coventry or Lockett, but uh, two kicks and a handball all fluffed. And um, that was it was a chasm, the gap in, in ball use between those two sides. I thought St Kilda's skills were better than that. Um, and I, th- I felt like a lot of those turnovers were unforced mistakes too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they yeah. conceded that. I'm, I'm trying, we spoke to Jack Sinclair after the game and he basically conceded that. So, uh, you know, maybe they'll be better for that experience. But, yeah, good win for Adelaide. I must admit I wasn't overly convinced by their... You know, beating up on Gold Coast because what what does that actually mean? But they certainly continued that form. They, f- they might have found one in Himmelberg. I thought he was reasonably impressive. Himmelberg was fantastic. I was worried about the use of the Crouch brothers early on, but I think you know they just kept knocked up getting touches, and in the end, arguably two of the most influential three or four players on the ground. <clears throat> Pardon me, Rory Laird, as you say, great user of the ball. He was good. Thought Greenwood was pretty good. Atkins was pretty good. A few of those players who had been basically MIA for them in the first few weeks really came to the party. Tex Walker, probably first and foremost. Yep. And Lockie Murphy, we have talked about him before. He was impressive again, I think. So it's starting to come back together for the Crows. Now, don't forget that they did this last year. They had a, a brief rally in the sort of second quadrant of the season, and we thought, oh, what's the second quadrant? Is that like the third trimester? <clears throat> yeah, that one. Yeah, they weren't overly pregnant, but um, over, over is that an ovary joke? Yeah, no, no. Oh, I'm just trying to stay on topic. Um, they look like they were getting their game back, and then Melbourne blew them away in the um, the red desert, and uh, it was all over. So I, I'm still hedging my bets a bit, but we know at least after the last couple of weeks that at their best. They're very impressive. Do you think, um, just quickly, I thought the late omission of your boy, Rowan Marshall, was oh, pretty important too. Enormous. Because, because O'Brien's not... O'Brien ended up playing well. But he, because he, he played on longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was I, sort of the... It was it was like watching Lurch playing against Herman Munster. Mm. You know, they were... You rang. It was all a bit slow for the pair of them. Yeah. I thought Marshall could have really exploited O'Brien. Yeah, but no, of course, I agree. But Adelaide have Jacobs out, so you can't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. too much about that. Um, so, uh, St Kilda's got an interesting month coming up. Yes. Well, I know the next three weeks they've got GWS and then West Coast and then Collingwood. So, this is their next month. It is... I just said it. Canberra. No, no. Month. Oh, Canberra. Canberra. Yeah. 
Melbourne, Melbourne. Marvel. Yeah, MCG. Then it's MCG, Marvel, and then Shanghai. It's an odd month. Haven't they got Carlton after those three? I thought Port Adelaide slides Yeah, I think they got Carlton first. Oh, then, okay. But coming up is Shanghai as well. So, you know what? They can't afford too many more injuries. In fact, I think they've already had their fill. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's move on. Sydney Derby. Uh, what are we calling this? Is this still the Battle of the Bridge or have they done away with that? You know what it was? It was the Battle of the has the future versus the past of Sydney football. That's well, what it was. Well, that's certainly how it looked like in the end. Uh, convincing win to GWS. 18-12, 41-point victors over Sydney. 12-7-79. Now, I'm starting to lose track of this Swans record at the SCG, but I think that might have been their ninth loss from the last 11, 14 I, at I, the SCG. Tw- I, I know out of the last 11... They've won three or something. Doesn't help uh, when you've lost Buddy Franklin, of course. Well, hang on. I want to talk about that very quickly. You're interrupting me a lot. Yes, well, that's how how you roll. I I, I jump in in little gaps. All right. Have you ever heard such... In fact, it's the first time I have ever read on the AFL website, minor hamstring. Everybody is at minor hamstring. It's very minor. Now, I've followed football for a long time, Rowan. Yes. There are two truths in football. Do you know what they are? The jam and the donut that you buy after the game is bloody hot. Yeah. And there's no such thing as a minor hamstring. Okay. And who was that? Buddy. Buddy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he's a minor. It's barely a hamstring. No such Um, thing. I thought this was pretty predictable. The Swans Swans made a bit of a a go at it in the second quarter, didn't they? In fact, GWS only five points up at halftime, but just... Put the foot down with a bit of extra class, won plenty more of the ball, contest a ball. We've spoken about this previously with the Swans, but that's been a strong suit for so long, and it, they're just down the toilet. In fact, going into this game, I think they were ranked 7th for both contestable and clearances, and uh, easily the lowest they've ever been ranked for that stat under John Longmire's tenure. So a real worry for them. They've got nothing on the outside, no run, and they're really struggling on the inside, and Again, you know, without sort of... I mean, he was good for him, but Josh Kennedy just doesn't have the impact he used to. They just... They look like a one-trick pony now. They've got very little up forward. They don't win enough of it to um, get away with that. And uh, they're ex- they're exploitable in defence. So, I, I, you know, there's no doubt in my mind now this <laughs> incredible run they've had is over. And I don't know how they're going... You know, they've been absolutely expert at regenerating whilst maintaining their competitiveness. I'm not sure that's going to be the case this year. And as for the Giants, well, I want to talk about one of their blokes. I'm hoping you don't name him. He's midfielder and his surname starts with T. Um, But they have surprised me, and I think it's become a bit of a cliche, but I think the role players that they've brought into that team uh, in the past, often through necessity, have sort of become integral and, in, and funnily enough, given them a greater cohesiveness. And Daniel Lloyd, one of them, bobbed up with three goals. DeBoer's been a really important uh, midfield negator for them. He's been good for them as well. Uh, getting mummy back's been important. Um, they're a much better side than I thought they'd be in 2019. Uh, midfielder with T, Teniglio, That's it. Josh Telly, Telly yep. Tupa. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I know who it is. You can talk about him in a minute. I've, I'm going to early call an All-Australian. I like doing early calls, All-Australian. Yep. In Zach Williams. All-Australian. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know you're a fan. Yep. Yeah, he's been in the best most weeks. That's funny, isn't it? Because those um, a couple of years ago, those running halfback flankers were all the rage, weren't they? And they seem to have sort of lost their effectiveness. Yeah, yeah well, because, of because of the conservative nature of coaches. Yeah. Uh, I like your... You are spot on with Sydney. They are pretty average on the outside and maybe even more concerningly unpalatable on the inside. So It's like a bad, a cheap chocolate. No, they're like a Chico roll. Oh, yeah? I like Chico rolls. Uh, Mate. Can you get them at Andrews? Uh, Maybe the old corn jack. I'm not sure. Look, the Chico roll is strange on the outside and the inside is dodgy. And you know what? If somebody would ask me, does Rowan like Chico Rolls, do you know what my answer would be? No. Have a look at him! <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up some line from Puberty Blues okay. or something like that. Uh, just on GWS, I mean, Mumford had retired. And then we have this strange thing where you can just draft players at any time. He's only he's only 10% off his best. Yeah. I thought he's, you know. He, he's, Do you know he used to eat a lot of sausages? Have a look at him. Remember when when we were we were still allowing the dump tackle? Yeah, he he had become the most dangerous thing on a football field since those spikes were found at Anzac at that stadium in Sydney yeah, on yeah. the ground. I thought you were going to say since uh, John Longmore dumped uh, playing for the Swans dumped that Fitzroy player on his head. No, Ironmonger did the dumping. Ago. Yeah, John, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He dumped someone I thought he said John Longmore. No, no, no. Ironmonger. No, John Ironmonger. Yeah. yeah. But he was super dangerous. And you know what I reckon? If they make a grand final, he won't worry too much about the about uh, being reported for hurting somebody. No, I'd I'm love to right. I would love to see Mummy in a grand final. Uh last question, Swans end of an era? Well, they can't make the finals. They could. I I really believe they could win the spoon. Well, okay. Oh, they could. What them North Melbourne? Yeah, I think Carlton's better than them at the moment. No question about that. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, one more game on Saturday night, and let's do that now. Over in Perth, Optus Stadium, Fremantle taking on the Western Bulldogs. Fremantle victors by nineteen points in the finish. Thirteen goals, ten eighty-eight. Defeating, uh, I won't say gallant, but a far more competitive Western Bulldogs, 9-15-69. Boy, that inaccuracy came back to haunt them. 1-6 in the last quarter when they certainly had their share of opportunities. Um, pretty impressive by the Dockers all round, I think. Matera, 5. Uh, good game from him. He's giving him some reasonable value at the moment. Uh, 300th for David Mundy, of course. What a servant of that club he's been. Ripping bloke David Mundy, just one of the really decent guys in footy. From Gippsland? Um, no, don't pin me on that one. We'll look it up. Um, but, uh, you know, it struck me as he was carried off at the finish. I reckon one of those guys that every single person who's been involved with him would be absolutely wrapped for him because really deserves some success. Oh, and, he's uh, from Seymour, sorry. Seymour, yeah, different direction, but yes, yes. rural Victoria nonetheless. Um, much better performance from the doggies, uh, but it had to be. And uh, Caleb Daniel, he's been great for them. 
Um, thought Lockie Hunter showed a bit more last night. Jack McRae, a little bit more effective. English, competitive in the ruck. They've still got massive problems up forward. Oh, tell you my, my kingdom, my kingdom for a marking key forward. Yeah, Aaron Norton was dropping him like an English third well, third man or fine leg. That's another defender turned forward experiment, which might have run its course. Tell you, the other guy who had his moments last year, but is really struggling now, Billy Gowers. Yeah, he kicked one goal, an important goal. He, uh, he kicked one, didn't he? I thought he kicked one around the he body. He did kick one. And you know what? Uh, yibbita, yibbita, that was all. Mm. So Shacky didn't work. Boyd still, uh, you know, uh, a wait and see. They've got no one. They've got nobody to play down there. Who do they kick the ball to? No, well, and yet this is a side that still has 14 of that premiership, 22 on the books. Yeah. So something... Well, you know, Stringer would have been handy. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> Roughhead would allow them maybe to be more versatile up forward. And Luke Dowhouse going pretty well for the Cats. Even Marcus Adams, who's now a Brisbane player, I Was believe. perpetually injured. Yeah, that's uh, Let's talk about Freo, though. They won the game. Okay, Nat Fife won them, won them most of the tough... Hard to get midfield ball as Langdon keeps pulse, you know, pulsing through there, so they don't miss Lockie Neal that much. You have to give their key defenders some credit, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, Alex Pierce. Yeah, yeah, he's a good. He's you're not going to get a whole lot of um, highlights out of the likes of Pierce and Hamling, and you know they're not spectacular footballers. Well, is Freo as a team spectacular? You know, Fife's pretty spectacular. Walters is spectacular. The Hills could be spectacular if they could get together. The truth is that that forward line... You know, Tabernet was very quiet early, but he came into the game a bit. Um, so, okay, what the question... You know what? That team could ignite one well, day no, and that, beat a good side that, once. That's a, Well, that's a question once. that this raised yeah. for me. How good are Fremantle? I still don't no, think no, they're, they're not good at all. I don't think they're good. They're not good. But, you know, if you've got Matera kicking goals, if you've got Walters down there, and you've got Hogan, Tabner, I forget McCarthy, um, and you've got Fife that you can swing forward, I don't think any team would be super. I think any team that played them would be wary of the possibilities of, of them clicking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've got, they've got stock. I don't, just don't think they all play together uh, at well at any – have ever really gelled. Yeah, no, I think they're mid to lower table for mine, which you know, doesn't all go well for the Western Bulldogs. Oh, like, it? how would you feel if Essendon were playing Freo next week at in, in Perth? Oh, I'd be worried. Correct. Uh, if and, it was here, that, not nearly as worried. Of course, but Essendon, if they were playing Freo in Perth, and I'm telling you, on what we saw this week, mm. Essendon are no worse than Collingwood, who were the flag favourites. Mm. I'm just saying that they they will present a permanent um, – per, there's no team that will go over there and pen that in. Yeah, but that'll be as much about the venue and the travel as the team. Well, you know, their best win was away from – Well, that's true. They beat GWS away. Yeah, well, let's see if they can back it up for a few weeks. Okay. All right, let's move on. Two games on Sunday to finish off round six. The first down in Launceston and victory for the Hawks just over Carlton. 13-15, 93, defeating the Blues, 13-10, 
88, thrilling finish, Finey. Um, it looked like Hawthorne were coming right over the top of them, but the Blues found a bit in the end, kicked a couple. In fact, they kicked four in the last quarter, four goals to five. Very entertaining game, really. Let me finish. I'm just going to hand up, sir. No, sir, yes. just the last two Quick. minutes, three great marks in the last two minutes. Yes, okay, you can you can talk about that. But Three I just, great ones. I just want to say, um, who was it who hit the post? Fisher hit the post, brought it back to five points. Um, and which point Brian Taylor said, the very unusual. I'd, You're six points down. He hits the post and goes, that's great for yeah, Carlton. I, know, I, I thought it's not great. Yeah, I know. I thought exactly <laughs> the same thing. Poor Nigel Carmody was all confused. Yes, it was uh, Yeah, a strange comment, that one. Um, and probably in the end, half a second possibly away from a win because, of course, the siren went, Harry Mackay took a grab. I reckon... He would have, the way he was kicking, I reckon he would have just about dobbed it. So, yeah. um, I reckon, and I would have got the tip correct. And I will talk about this, so I won't dwell on it now. But I thought Carlton's first quarter, arguably as good a quarter of footy as the Blues have played since the 2013 elimination final against Richmond, which is a long time ago. But some really encouraging signs. Um, the Hawks, you know, they find a way, don't they? They're still missing a few important players. Their depth is certainly not a patch on what it was, um, and they might have got out of jail. But, you know, good luck to them. That's, they know how to conjure a win. Carlton, incredibly unlucky. Look, 300-plus gamer. I think he broke uh, he broke another player's record on the weekend, Fisher. Um, Bre- Silva. Yes, that's right. He, Thanks, he, Damien. He, thank Damien Tardio on panel. On oh, that's a famous it. name in radio. That's his son. And Tardio, I always felt, had the word radio in it. So that was, to me, a sign that that family was always destined for it. Get now, on with it. Um, I don't want to be Tardio. So, unlucky to lose Simpson at the half, right? Yep. Then Cruiser, unsurprisingly, sort of gets... Injured a bit in the last quarter, doesn't play for a big part of the last quarter. I'm not quite sure because was it Gilbert McAdam on the boundary? Yes. Okay, the reports were coming back in a spasmodic manner. <laughs> <laughs> Very entertaining and lovely love Gilbert. guys, Gilbert. I love Gilbert. Okay, come on, get on with it. All right, mate, just calm down because this is very good analysis. Three great marks in the last 90 seconds. Who took them? Sadly, Harry Mackay wasn't one of them by half a second. Yes, who are the other two? The first mark, Liam Jones takes a ripper. Was. He kicks it, bad positioning by the Carlton forwards. Sicily takes a ripper. Or maybe it was off the Casbolt, because he took a ripper. Strong marking. And then Mackay, they were unlucky. But you've got to give credit to Hawthorne. You know, Wingard, I don't know what they're paying him, but he showed his value. He was very much instrumental in the comeback. The comeback was orchestrated by the likes of Wingard and you know, Sicily was important in it. Roughhead was important. But all day it was Jago Omiara. It's Omiara. Oh, well, I'll mention the other guy because I thought this guy who did come back made a huge difference, Liam Shields. Yeah, yeah, and he kicked a couple. He kicked beautifully for goal, kicked didn't three. he? three. Yeah, very accurate. Maybe the match winner for them was a man by the name of Daniel Howe. Uh, for his job on, on Crips, on uh, I was about to say Jason Cripps, Patrick Cripps. I think that was Patrick's quietest game for the year, and I thought Howe got some ball as well. I think mm. he was important, and a f- and a forgotten Hawthorne player did all right in Tim O'Brien. So uh, if this was the um, old footyology, and we were doing the credibility ladder, who won? Carlton. Yeah, I'd, I'd give them the points. 
sounds vaguely condescending what we keep saying. I tell you what I'm finding really strange, Finey. Everyone's sort of cheering the Blues on. I could see it on Twitter. Everyone's going, come on, come on, Blues. It's been so long now for Carlton that everyone's sort of jumped on the Carlton bandwagon. When you think historically Carlton Hawthorne, what comes to your mind? Oh, mid-70s, Lee Matthews, uh, you know, or 80s, uh, Kenny Hunter, um, lots of finals clashes. Yeah. Oh, actually, I didn't have lots of finals clashes. I had a couple. Why? Famous hot grand final. They played the hot 87, grand 87, yeah. For me, I think Carlton Hawthorne, straight away, for many years growing up, the highest score in VFL football was oh, Carlton 30-30, 210 versus Hawthorne. 1969. Yeah, now I didn't see that game, but to me, it was always 30-30. I thought it was just a very easy thing to remember, yeah. V Hawthorne. Yeah. And I was just thinking today, it was a great game, but I think the total score was well below 30-30. It certainly was. A different time, my friend. Okay. One game to go. Let's do it. And it finished off down at the Cattery with a Sunday twilight game. I think that's unusual scheduling. We don't see that often. Uh, very emphatic win by the Cats over last year's premiers. 15-14-104 Geelong defeated a very scratchy West Coast 7 4 46, a victory of 58 points, all set up in the first quarter, blistering seven-goal opening term from the Cats. Uh, West Coast managing only two in the first, and uh, pretty much all she wrote after that. Never felt there was any danger of West Coast doing a repeat of that incredible 2006 comeback down there. Um, and the pluses just keep coming for Geelong. Gary Rowan, four goals for a second week in a row. Terrific game from him. Three to Hawkins. Uh, Gary Ablett working up to some very, very ominous form. Two goals to Gaza and 28 disposals for him. For him. Great performance. But finally, I mentioned setting up this win in the first quarter. Um, I took note of the stats at quarter time because it was such a dominant 30 minutes of footy. 110 disposals to 67 it's a massive advantage to build up in one term of football. Interestingly, the Eagles had twice as many clearances, but the Cats just completely, um, I guess, uh, sort of won the ball back and then did a lot of damage off half-back. Uh, 17 to 9, the inside 50s in that first term. Um, 12 more contested possessions, even in one quarter, and they'd built that up to about 30-plus by three-quarter time. And despite having so much of the ball, this is a significant one, out-tackled the Eagles in that first quarter, 19-11. to 11. Absolutely dominant, not just Ablett. Menegola had 10 touches in that opening term. And other guys who are really making them a much more complete team. Dowhouse, very impressive in that first quarter as well. Tim Kelly, we've come to expect of him. Grian Myers, love his effort as a small pressure forward. And Rudder Galea, I think, chipping in and looking dangerous and offering Tomahawk a bit of support. As for the Eagles, well, uh, I'm still confident they will come good, but it was one of those sort of more old-fashioned Eagles not sort of giving themselves much of a chance in difficult circumstances. They've got a few passengers at the moment. Uh, One who springs to mind is Chris Marston, who's been really disappointing for them. Jack Darling, I know you'd like to say a few words about him. Mark Hutchings not having the impact he did have. Uh, Lewis Jetta not doing a lot. Um, They're leaving too much to too few. Good analysis, but 
Menegola, Rattagalia, Grind Myers, do you really think you should be making up names? Well, Wally Buzz, they've got so many funny names. Wally Buzzer can't even get a game anymore. Yeah, it's tr- yes, Constable. Oh, well, he's no, Wally Buzzer is going to come over to Essendon and join Irving Mosquito. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> Buzzer to Mosquito. <laughs> All right. Something happens to the West Coast Eagles. When they f- get off the plane and that team bus negotiates the rat's maze that is the s- sort of subroads that lead out of Tullamarine Airport, when they turn right, they're fine. Mm. When they turn left, nothing good happens. Rockefeller like, they are hopeless on the left hand turn out of Tullamarine, which means. Well, what does that take in? How many grounds are we talking about? Just one. Yeah. Just one. When they go, when they go to. Cardinia Park or various other... But don't you get on the Tullamarine initially and then get off at the Western Ring Road? Well, you know, the, the the notion is generally left yeah. versus right. Yeah, okay. And as I said, I mentioned Rockefeller, and that, it's a, that same sort of terrible scenario because for West Coast, as soon as they step on the ground, they are... It's interesting how 22 players, coaches and trainers can almost think with one mind you're right. They didn't tackle in that first quarter. They were disengaged. This is the same team that went to the MCG and was so keyed in to playing Collingwood there uh, a month ago. Mm. They were not in the contest. And I'll tell you, Jack Darling, look, he's had a bad season so far. Uh, you, in the end, you've got to roll up your sleeves and get your hair must. Yeah. Die with your boots on, darling. Fair income. One worry for them is the uh, – so they're three and three. It's not panic stations, but all three defeats have been emphatic, haven't they? Mm. They have been worrisome to me. Okay, now the other point here, you talked uh, during another game about Richmond and Collingwood. I reckon it's time we threw the Cats in with them. Yeah, they're very good. They are. How good's Reece Stanley going? Really well. Two weeks in a row he's come up, next two weeks week. in a row, row come up against St Kilda Ruckman. He beat McAvoy, he beat Hickey. They've just got I look I like what I like about this side now, there's just so many more strings to their bow. We love that, don't that? The the, the options in the coach's box are better than any other team. Well, they're better than Geelong has had for a long time. And I reckon we've had this discussion before, but there's just more of them now. I mean, we haven't mentioned Charlie Constable. He was impressive again. Um, you know, uh, Zach Tui comes back into the side. He hasn't been a factor yet. They can bring him back. Um, you know, Menegola's been around for a while. Dowhouse has added plenty. I love Myers. I think Radicalier gives them something. Rowan is playing consistently good footy now. You're right. I love Myers as well. I used to go there and get iced coffees as a schoolboy. That's not even funny. Constable, it took him three years, two, two, two or three years to break into the Senior team, didn't he? I'm arrested by his performances of late. But it, for two, two, two years he was <laughs> in the VFL. rivals your mind, Two Jake. years he was in the VFL. Uh, two? I think just one. Oh, okay. So it's he's like, Mick Malthouse's nephew, you know. So he's become a senior constable. Yes. In the same... In the, around, interesting, that, because I think Mick Malthouse's son's a police officer. Well, I believe he's been mentored by Craig Sargent. Yeah, that's right. Oh, this is pathetic. Come on, let's get on. Ian Major. So, you know, in all seriousness, no, you Geelong, agree Geelong are the real Yeah, deal. but you know what I always say yeah. about Geelong? Home ground advantage. Yeah. It, it, the good thing is that they've played great football at the G as well this year. Well, they beat Richmond there. How big, is, Collingwood there, how so big, Collingwood. How big is next Sunday, Essendon v Geelong at the MCG? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'd tip Essendon at this stage. Yeah, I don't know yet. 
But uh, it's going to be a great game, I think. Um, should the Eagles? Uh, are we worried about the Eagles? You can't win the. I don't think you you can seriously contend consider winning the flag from outside the top four. So they should be very worried. Three and three. Remember, yeah. there is a strong DNA for this team to have a good year and a disappointing year. Yeah, I hope they're not sort of trying to get too clever and sort of pacing themselves to peak at the right time because you're quite right. I think if they're outside the top four, going to really struggle to be in a position to win it. This playing group has not put together two good seasons. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Uh, I'm not I'm not officially off them yet, but I'm, I'm showing signs of concern. Can I just ask you, at you this can. point, West Coast or GWS, who's the better team? Oh, GWS. Well, then they're in huge trouble. Yeah. They are, because we concede that Geelong and Collingwood are very good teams. Yeah. Even though they beat Collingwood. Yeah. And if they get caught up with the GWSs of this world, they're going to really struggle to make the top four. Having said all that, six rounds gone. I'm not, uh, I like to stick by what I've tipped until all hope is gone, and all hope is not gone. Uh, okay, but at the moment, Geelong, Richmond, Collingwood and GWS are better than them, in my opinion. And Essendon could add themselves to that list if they beat Geelong next weekend. All right, there you have it, the... Um ins and outs of every game in round six. They're the ins and outs. Time now to talk about the highs and the lows. On Footyology, hot or not. Okay, you're going to kick us off this week, Fanny. Go. Well, hot or not. I'll tell you, the round started hot and ended up not in terms of the weather. I think we're beyond the hot weather, so that's an interesting one. But the whole umpiring brouhaha on the Anzac Day clash was not hot. Not hot because players need to play to the whistle. Not hot because any antisocial behaviour... After the game, supporters are ringing up going, you know what, oh, I can understand booing. It was just frustration with the umpires. Stop kicking the umpires. Stop it. Not hot. That's it? Yeah, it's, you know, the umpires... First of all, it's it's an imperfect art. But secondly, if the only thing Essen and Collingwood supporters can agree, agree on was how terrible the umpires were, it serves no purpose other than to show a lack of... It, it's it's low football IQ to me. Uh, I, I get Yeah, I get very bored with low discussions about umpiring because yep. I don't think there's yes. much you can do about it. I hear that. All right, I'm starting with a hot, and I alluded to this before. Uh, his name is Tim Taranto. Now... I was sceptical about GWS this year. One of the reasons was I thought over a period of time they'd just lost too much talent, particularly from midfield. Uh, Sheil and Scully, the more recent examples, and then Callum Ward goes down with the knee for the year. Who's going to step up? Well, two guys have stepped up. Jacob Hopper's one, and I could equally have had him here. But Tim Taranto has been absolutely terrific for them. Was pretty good last year. I think he played 23 games, so he might have only missed one. But I reckon he's gone to another level again, maybe with the tats he seems to now have in various parts of his body. Maybe they've made him a tougher concern. But um, he was terrific and a deserved winner of the Brett Kirk medal for the uh, best player of field in the so-called Battle of the Bridge. 30 disposals, 10 tackles and a goal for Timmy and a really good player. I know he's very highly rated. And I thought when Sydney did make that brief uh, flurry in the second quarter, he more than anyone was a guy that stepped up and said, OK, enough of that. Uh, normal transmission about to be resumed. So hugely impressed with him. Uh, big tick, Tim Taranto. 
For anybody who went out for dinner in the 80s and 90s, uh, you're old enough to remember that every Italian restaurant, their dessert menu was a very lazy uh, contribution by a company called Taranto's. Now, a lot of people had the Tartufo. <clears throat> this is my hot. A lot of people had the Tartufo. Their next most popular was the Cassata. Yeah. But my hot goes for the little-known Taranto's dessert, the Forbidden Apple, which was a beautiful white chocolate apple with a frozen ice cream centre. My hot, Taranto's Forbidden Apple. I'm glad we were going to do this quickly. Okay, what's your real one? That's it. Really? Yep. What a waste of time that was. Why? Well, because it wasn't about football. Look at you. (laughs) (laughs) You've never had an ice cream. Um, I actually had Cassata once when I was seven and it made me throw up. It because, was tar- it would have been Taranto's. Well, it made me throw up because I was allergic to eggs and I didn't realise there was a cake element at the bottom. You're um, allergic to eggs? I am. I am. You look like, you look like you've eaten a barn full of them. Oh, fat jokes. We're doing fat <laughs> jokes now. Right? Very funny. Come on, omelettes. He's writing your stuff. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I'm going a knot and uh, my knot is, not surprisingly, Melbourne. Preliminary finalist two at the conclusion of round six, bottom team on ladder with a 1-5 record and a percentage of 69.2%. That is some slide. They have been Scheisenhausen. Four goals in the first quarter against Richmond on Anzac Day Eve and everyone, including me, thinking, oh, they're back, they're showing something. Final score, six goals. Yep, two goals over the next three quarters. They've got nothing up forward. They've got nothing on the outside. Um, they've got nothing. And uh, at the moment, not showing a whole heap of heart either. It's a pretty unforgivable demise, I reckon. At 1-5, they're just about done. You shouldn't be saying that about any preliminary finalist this early into the following season, given how long they've been in the doldrums to have uh, worked that hard to achieve that position and then just let it slip like this is pretty bloody ordinary. If not, if I was a Demons fan, I'd be extremely pissed off. So a definite not hot to me. Go. I know we're not supposed to comment on the not hots of other people, but I went to the Richmond-Melbourne game and the, there were these two young punks behind me and from the middle way of the second quarter... Richmond supporters, they were yelling, go back to the snow, you lot, go oh, back to... that's a good one. And so I had to point out at about three-quarter time, I said, look, gentlemen, I realise that you're very much keen Richmond men, but the dynamic is that they're from here and they go to the snow. They don't go back to... The, <laughs> yeah. They're not going back to the snow because the entire population of Melbourne snowfields wouldn't fill up this bay. Yeah, okay, go. So I just want to point that out. No, they're it's not a going fair point. back to the snow. Fair point, get on with okay, it. Okay, so my hot is, regrettably, is a St Kilda man... Tex Walker. I was so pleased with his first, as I said, 20 minutes. He looked like he was back to the old drinking the can in the stand days. You know what? When Tex Walker's on, he is a magnificent kick. There were little signs against North a couple of weeks ago. He didn't get a lot of the ball, but he was competitive. Then Gold Coast, he he got a bit of cheap, you know, an easy kill. He's, He's right now. And you know the moment that said it? You were at the game. Yep. When he went for that ball and he, and he missed it and he got... Picked fought, it up, kicked the goal slammed, on the left foot. He slammed it with the left foot. Had it a bit like, of velocity on it. Yeah, I'm saying, that was like... And then he started strutting. Yeah. And once he does the strut, mm. takes his back. Well, can I tell you, uh, seeing your... Um, yeah, here's another meaningless um, little story. Uh, I had the chance to run him over after the game. 
And oh, it, if it was shooters. before the game? No, no, no. I was coming out after the game and uh, I was waiting at the lights there to go across uh, Burke Street out of the car park. And lo and behold, who's walking across uh, a dimly lit uh, outer of uh, Marvel Stadium, but Tex Walker carrying his bag. Can I, can I just tell you a very similar story? You'll love this. I know it's an aside. Be quick. All right. My, son, my sons used to do um, karate at the Melbourne Karate Centre, which is on Glenferry Road. Very hard to get a park there. It was the middle of June many years ago, and it is pouring, and I mean pouring with rain, and I'm driving there. It's like five in the afternoon. Everybody's got their headlights on. You can barely see in front of you, and this idiot woman runs out from between two parked cars to cross the road, and I have to put the brakes on, and I'm telling you, thank goodness the, the, you know, the Calais is a well-put-together car, screech, and the, she looks at me like, I'm sorry, Caroline Wilson. Ah, isn't that funny? Because like I, a bumper bar. Like, it, it was great driving. Well, I, she nearly ran over me in Glenferry Road one day <laughs> with her son in the car. Really? Yeah. And in fact, I'm sure a lot of people said, well, why didn't she go on with the job? I think they're thinking about me and the same thing. You know what my response to that is? What? As I said, it was very heavy rain and low visibility. I didn't know it was her. I was also actually eating dinner <laughs> outside the Red Mullet Fish Cafe in Glenferry Road, no longer there, uh, when Caro and Brendan were going on a nightly walk along Glenferry Road. They seemed to frequent that <laughs> well, she region a lot. Glenferry Road. Um, question without notice, Red Mullet? Yep. A footballer with a red mullet? Uh... Oh, Wayne Wiedemann? Oh, blondish. Oh, okay. Didn't um, the father of the Collingwood forward... Oh, Simon Atkins. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. The Collingwood forward's father, did he have a red mullet at some stage? The Collingwood forward's father. He played for Essendon, didn't he? Oh, my, uh, Jack Mychek. No, he had a sort of a, a frizzy... A curly, yeah, a, he was curly. A curly top. crop. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're All right. Uh, okay, I'm going to finish this off, and uh, it's a hot... And it's a hot for a losing team, and I hope this doesn't sound condescending because it's not meant to be, but I'm giving a hot to Carlton, as we talked about in wraparound, half a second away potentially from what would have been a terrific win down in Launceston. Uh, Harry Mackay just a little bit late with that grab, would have had a shot to beat the Hawks, and that would have been a huge Win. I thought they were terrific today, the Blues. I thought that first quarter, like we said, as good a quarter as they've played since the 2013 Elimination Final. They were fluent with their ball movement. They were efficient. Uh, they looked dangerous up forward. Some really good signs. They've been competitive all year. They've only lost one game by more than 19 points. That was round one against Richmond, which they lost by 33, and reasonably competitive in that too. So I think there's a big upside. And I think back now when we were talking about, oh, they've only won three in their last 36, that was only a couple of weeks ago. We're very quick to... Um, Go the knee-jerk reaction, and uh, I think they've been pretty good this year, the Blues, and I think they'll win uh, quite a few more games still. Unfortunately, not over the line today, but uh, they were a hot. Even in defeat for me, the Blues were a hot. All right, Finey, time to get to that angry part of the program. On Footyology, the Rant Rightio, you know how this works. There's plenty of material I could go with this week, but I've come back to an old favourite, Finey. I don't know, a federal election? No, no, we've got three weeks to do that one. Count me in. Three, two, begin. 
I'm pissed off with the football media, Finey, again. This time, their resoluteness in refusing to talk about the actual game itself if there's some cheap talking point they can bang on about every week to fill the spaces between those actual games. Seriously, was there anything more predictable after Scott Pendlebury copped some jeers when he got the Anzac medal than the certainty we'd be subjected to something far worse? Several days of po-faced debate and analysis. Not about one of the best Anzac Day games we've seen, of course, but, oh yes, the psychology of booing, with contributions from every footy great, every shrink, and naturally every two-bit opinion columnist looking for yet another piece of clickbait. It's pretty ironic, isn't it, when the space devoted to the game in print, online, and on radio and TV is at saturation levels that we seem to hear and read less about who actually won games of football and why than ever before. Why is that, Finey? Is it because the game is too complex for them to attempt to break down? Is it because there's too many people in the football media now who don't actually care about the game that much? Or at least not as much as earning some more public notoriety? Or is it that the media organisations peddling this stuff don't seem to understand that people who watch football are doing so because they love sport and want an outlet from the breathless hysteria which seems to surround every other aspect of our lives now? Perhaps if they're interested enough to watch a game of football, when they turn to the media to get some context on it, they're after some genuine discussion about the four quarters they've just seen. Not earnest talk instead of isolated incidents during, before or after its duration, which have absolutely diddly squat to do with the outcome. I swear, Finey, some of the people involved in reporting the game now would be happier if we actually forgot about the matches altogether and just had wall-to-wall coverage of the President's lunch, who said what on pre-game radio and whether the best player on the ground might piss off to an interstate club when he comes up for a free agency in three years. Think of all the effort that would save, not to mention giving them even more leeway to prepare those authoritative news reports and appearances on panel shows where they can spout forth on the important stuff. Not silly games they haven't had to waste valuable ambulance chasing time watching. At least they'd be talking about stuff they knew, not the drivel you hear when some of these clowns pretend they do know what happens between the first and final sirens. Spot on, my friend. Three, two, one, rant. Boo! I'm booing your rant. Okay. Because your rant boos people who want to talk about the booing. Well, I want to talk about the booing, and I want to talk about it in the following terms. So this whole issue comes up because Nathan Buckley said you shouldn't boo a champion. This was like being in the psychologist's office while Buckley was on the couch. Uh, Do you remember, certainly from my perspective, the first player universally booed for being good was for some reason Nathan Buckley. And you know why supporters kept booing him? Because it seemed to put him off his game. And all these years later, in a flashback to those halcyon days at the MCG when for no reason people were booing Buckley, Buckley wants to know why people are booing Pendlebury. Who cares? In fact, I would say that booing is the new black of football. And when I say black, I mean you want to be booed. Ablett's been booed. Buddy's been booed. Pendlebury's been booed. I reckon Paddy Dangerfield must be asking himself what he's doing wrong. Why aren't they booing me? Aren't I good enough? You need to be booed. That's the problem with my team, St Kilda. Nobody's been booed at St Kilda for a decade. I mean, it's not like they get to the ground and they go, let's boo Logan Austin, which would involve a boo 
once in the first quarter and a half boo maybe in the last quarter. You've got to be good to be booed. So take it as a compliment. I've never been booed. I want to be booed. Rowan, have you ever been booed? You know what? At home. You're my boo. Uh, very good, very good. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, make sure you tune in again on Thursday for our Round 7 preview edition. Uh, thanks again to Andrew's Hamburgers. I love Andrew's Hamburgers. 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. I yay them. And Nick Spartels and Hardwick Bilko, if you're in Albert Park, especially in and around, uh, uh, you know, the footballers' places, I tell you what, it's a beautiful opportunity to add value to your property. Nick Spartels, the Carlton man. All right, time for us to leave. Uh, as you know, we like to finish off with a bit of music, and we did mention this song. So, of course, um, we're going to finish off uh, with the, the Jack Lacocious song. And for those of our vintage would remember, early 80s, Kim Carnes. And uh, not a great song, finding. so I thought we might follow that with a little addendum. We'll see you on Thursday. Just, 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 just,